Welcome to Pick Up and Deliver, the podcast where I pick up my audio recorder when I drop my wife off at the train and deliver an episode to you while I walk home. I'm Brendan Riley. Good morning, dear listeners. It is Friday, March 1st, and a lovely day it is. I mean, lovely in temperature-wise. It's in the high 20s here in suburban Chicago which is uh, pretty pleasant for the process of walking home. It's still that slate cloud look that you get in February and March in the Illinois area, so that's not my favorite, but uh, overall, a pleasant approach. You may have noticed in my introduction today a slight difference than usual. Uh, I actually, my wife was heading in to work today at a different time than usual so we walked our son to school and then I walked her to the train so I got to say something different that's always fun well given that it's March 1st I'm excited to give you my update for the month uh, and um, toward the end if I have time I will talk a little bit about I've really been enjoying the slightly looser format where I have given up on the regular obligation to do one episode a week with a particular feel and just kind of do the episodes that I feel like doing when I feel like doing them. It's not to say that the regular segment episodes are never going to be on again. I mean, I've still done some shooting from the hips. I've still done, still doing the top of the stack right now, but it not having the self-imposed obligation to do those and to do three episodes a week has been nice for me. I'm curious though, as listeners, do you like or dislike the change in regularity of the format was the regularness of having three episodes a week come out on a particular day every week was that a nice feature or does it not really bother you because you're using your um you're using a podcatcher that just gives an episode when it comes out so i guess that's my broad question for the day is uh is the new how's the new format working for you listeners because while i'm enjoying it myself there's nothing to say i couldn't get a couple of episodes ahead of myself and get a regular publication schedule in play where i'm recording and releasing a week later or something and and having that having that regular uh schedule working a little bit better that would be totally possible i don't think i'm going to go back to three episodes a week just because the the obligation there felt like too much but um and i felt like i was making episodes when i didn't feel like it but i certainly could do two a week i think without feeling undue burden so i'm curious i guess the long and short version of the question is do you would you prefer a more regular publication schedule or just when i feel like it works for you if you have a thought one way or the other head over to the pickup and deliver guild i'm curious to hear what the listeners are hoping to hear from me. Okay, so on to the subject of the day. It is March 1st, so I wanted to do a top of the stack update. For those of you who are new listeners, welcome. Uh, The top of the stack is a segment I stole from the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers, which is ostensibly still happening, but hasn't recorded in a while. Uh, They were a, a bunch of gamers who talked about a variety of things. One of the things they would do is something called Top of the Stack, where they would each month designate three games that they were going to try to play, as though they have a stack of games to play, and which three are on the top. And uh, then they would report back at the end of the month to say whether they had gotten them played or not. It's something I've been doing for a while now, and you can track this in my monthly uh, Top of the Stack geek list. And uh, you can see whether 
I've succeeded each month in making my goals. This is a good example by negative this month. So if you want to drill down a little bit on the details of the episode I'm offering you here, I am working off of the printout of my monthly top of the stack update from the geek list. So you can find a link to that in the show notes. All right, let's jump right into it. So this month, uh, or in February of 2019, uh, I did pretty well. It's only 28 days, of course, so a little bit less gaming time than January, but I still did nicely. I had 49 game plays in January of 33 different games, so more than one different game a day, which is always a nice achievement to manage that. That puts my total for the year at 114 plays of 57 games. So January was still better than February in terms of new games played, but no slouch this month. Uh, we test, uh, I did two playtests of Rattlebox games, and that does not count playtests just with my um, design partner, but rather where we playtest a game with someone else. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> I have reduced my shelf of opportunity to 56. You'll remember at the beginning of the year, it was 57. Uh, as of the end of January, uh, I had gotten, I actually had gone up. Um, it was 59 at the end of January, so I have moved it, moved the needle down three. You'll remember that my goal is to get it down to 27, which suggests that I'm not moving fast enough. Although, if I am able to get it down three a month, that's going to be 30 in the next 10 months, which would get me there. So I guess, I guess I am moving fast enough, but barely. So I should pick that up a little bit. January was a rough month because there was a garage sale and I picked up something like eight games at the garage sale. So that raised the number of unplayed games significantly, but, uh, making good progress now. Okay. Um, the top of my stack in February was New York, 1901, Jolken und die Monster, or Jolchen und die Monster, which is uh, Juliet and the Monster in English, and the Star Trek deck-building game. Uh, I also put as my... I always have a fourth optional alternate one on there that's a repeat from a previous month that I didn't get played. I put the Buffy the Vampire Slayer board game on there, which marks the third or fourth time I've had it on my top of the stack, and it still has not gotten played. I don't know why. I'm sort of like Charlie Brown with the football on that one. But uh, of the other three, the only one I got to play was New York 1901. What's interesting, I don't know if this is interesting or not, but I'm going to say it is, is that the other two had both been queued up to play at various times. The Juliet and the Monster, um, I had ready to play with a friend of mine, but then when I was trying to teach it to him, it wouldn't click, and by the time we got it taught, there wasn't time to play, and then the next week... I sort of moved away from trying to play games in that space because we really only have about 25 minutes. So that is a very narrow window in which to play a game um, unless you both know the game already. And this hasn't been someone who's played a lot of games, so he doesn't know the games coming in. So that hasn't proved a good gaming place, but it's been pleasant to chat with him. Uh, so I did not get Juliet and the Monster played there. And then, this was very sad, the Star Trek deck building game I had all queued up to play, we actually got it out. And I realized, though I'd read the rules, I hadn't gone through the cards. And I realized I didn't know which cards were what. And so I was worried we were going to spend a half an hour trying to set the game up, and then we wouldn't have time to play. So instead, 
uh, we played gizmos, which was very nice and added to my 10 for 10 regarding gizmos. But it meant that we didn't get Star Trek, the deck building game played. And then that friend had meetings yesterday, so we weren't able to play yesterday. So I was not able to get that either. So I actually am um, one for three. And of course, the alternate, I didn't get played either. But that just fills in for one of the others if you play it. So I'm one for three in February. Not the best uh, one. My top of the stack for March, I've picked uh, Rake Holt, the Uwe Rosenberg uh, game about running greenhouses in Iceland. I'm particularly excited for that because my wife and I are taking a trip to Iceland in April, and so I'm hoping that she'll play it with me. This will be the first Rosenberg game I've gotten her to play. I don't know if she'll like it or not, but I'm hoping. Uh, and then uh, Detective, a modern crime board game. We finished the run of Sherlock Holmes consulting detective Jack the Ripper stories. And before we start the next one, we thought we'd change it up and play a different detective game. And so I got this one out. I've been itching to try this for a while. I read somewhere that you can get pretty cheap um, white uh, MDF at Home Depot in a sheet of 8x4 for 13 bucks. So I'm going to pick up one of those to use as a big crime whiteboard thing. And we're going to try that tomorrow, hopefully. So that one, I'm kind of, I'm already ready to play that one. So I, I have a good odds of getting that played this month. That one will be a challenge and interesting because uh, getting back to Sherlock Holmes will be hard because this one is five cases and each case is supposed to take several hours. So it's, it's actually a fairly long campaign to get through. But we play those games maybe once a week or once every two weeks. So I don't, I don't think we'll have a problem. Okay, so that was Detective. That's the second game on my list. The third one, I always like to pick one smaller game that I should be able to get played in a few minutes. On uh, this month, it's Pocket Dragon, which is a new game from David Turkzy. Actually, he got married recently, and I only know this because of his Kickstarter. And at his wedding, he decided to give out a game. And so he made this game called Pocket Dragon and had some friends illustrate it. And then he got some of his publisher friends to put some promo cards in it. And so... The, and then he did a Kickstarter, and I think he paid for the whole print run of the game with the Kickstarter, which was very clever, because then he was able to give that game away as a gift at his wedding, I assume for free, and the rest of us who Kickstarted it got, got a copy of the game. I don't, I don't know the math of it very well, but knowing what I do about Kickstarter is usually any profit you make, you use to make a bigger print run, and it seems like a clever way to do it. Um... So, I haven't tried that yet, but it, it looks fun. It also came with a bunch of promo cards, so I have a Tracarion promo card and an Acrony promo card. Um, I don't think there was a Cerebria one, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, that's Pocket Dragon, that was my third. And then my alternate, the game from last month that I've, or from previous month that I've decided to put in, is the Star Trek deck building game. Like I said, I learned how to play it, I'm ready to go with it, I've got this buddy who's itching to play it, so... There's good odds I'll get that played, in which case it can be a nice alternate for one of the other ones. So that's my March top of the stack. We'll check in about that at the beginning of April. All right, so let's talk through a couple other of the things I track. Um, first plays, I had seven games that I played for the first time this month. Uh, among them League of Six, the Vladimir Suki game I talked about. Uh, New York 1901 I mentioned before. A handful of stars you've already heard about. So those three you I've covered on the podcast already. 
And then there are a number of others. I, I got to play Architects of the West Kingdom. That was a really fun worker placement game. I think I mentioned it's got this neat mechanism where every time you put a worker down, all your workers at that location trigger. So like if you have one there already and you put a second one down, now they both work for you and you get a bigger benefit. Um, but one of the other things you can do is send a worker somewhere else and arrest the workers at a different place. And so there's this nice mechanism where if you get too many at one place, then someone else is going to arrest your guys. Um, it's kind of neat. It's a really neat way to have the workers sort of cycle through the, um, through the board. Uh, Comanauts I talked about a little bit already. Uh, Fun Employed I talked about in the last episode. And then uh, my wife and I, uh, actually on the 27th or 28th, we tried 8-Minute Empire Legends which I read the rule book just on a whim because I wanted to, I felt like reading a rule book, so I grabbed it. Um, and it seemed easy enough that I was able to then teach her off the cuff and we were able to play a round of it. Uh, it was pretty fun. Honestly, I don't remember who won. I may have won by a point or two, but she liked it and said she'd want to play again. If you haven't played it, it's an interesting area control game where you have a few armies on this little board with maybe 25 regions on it. And each turn, you get to take a card from a market, and the market has only a few um, cards in it, like six cards. Uh, and the prices on the cards are zero, one, one, two, two, three. So, which card you take is shaped by how much money you're willing to spend. And you get a little bit of money at the beginning of the game, but that's it. You don't get very much more. And then the game goes until everybody's bought a certain number of cards. Well, when you take the card, you get two things. You get to do an action, like putting armies on the board, moving armies around, taking armies off the board. And then you get a bonus of some sort, which is sometimes another action, but is often just, um, often makes your other actions better, or it uh, gives you a bonus at the end of the game. It's a really interesting little set collection and area control game. Well worth taking a look if somebody busts a copy out. I'm, I'm pleased to have bought a copy for $10 at the, or $5 at the, um, garage sale. So that was uh, 8 Minute Empire Legends, um, which is a standalone sequel. I'm not sure how it's the same or different from 8 Minute Empire, but um, it is the, it's probably the one you can find if you go to buy it now. So that makes, that means I've tried 19 different games so far this year, which is a good start. Um, Not quite 10 a month, but pretty close. Uh, I had two Out of the Dust plays this month. That's games that I haven't played for more than a year. Uh, And those two games were Small World and uh, Flux. I talked about Flux a little bit before. Uh, Small World, always a fun time. I was glad to play that again. I played it with my neighbor. Um, He had just gotten one of the expansions, which I had them all. I didn't have the heart to tell him that, yeah, in my set in the basement, I have all those plus a bunch more. But uh, it was fun to play his and uh, try them out. Um, I I really like that game. I'd forgotten. It's a good time. Uh, Good one. Uh, Okay, so that means on my Great Designer Challenge this year, I pick Vladimir Suhi, and I want to play all of his games this year. Um, right now I have six of them. At some point I'll pick up Underwater Cities, which means I'll have seven of them to play. And I've played one League of Six this year. So, uh, to be clear, the great designer challenge for myself is play all of the games I own for that designer, not all the games they've made. With Vladimir Suhi, that is, uh, those are two equal sets. 
all the games he's made and all the games I own, with the exception of Underwater Cities, which I'll be getting. Uh, but other other designers, like if I do Martin Wallace one year, it'll just be the Martin Wallace games I own. I don't have to play every game he he's made. Um, okay. So finally, I have two 10 for 10 challenges and my leftovers. I have not made any progress on my leftovers. Um, I had completed two games of Roll for the Galaxy and completed that game as of the end of January and have not made any progress on the others. My hardcore challenge and my normal challenge are both doing very well. I'm at 31% by the end of February on my hardcore challenge and I'm at 28% on my normal challenge. So and I, the first game to get all 10 plays is Wingspan. I've now completed one game on my normal 10 for 10. That Wingspan was not in my hardcore. I didn't have it at the beginning of January, so it would have made it, certainly. Uh, we're up to five plays of Betrayal Legacy, four plays of London, six plays of Cerebria, or seven, seven plays of Cerebria. I really like that game. I've actually backed off it a little bit now because I am worried I'm going to get so good I won't be able to find, won't be fun to play with. That sounds very arrogant, but there it is. Uh, six plays of Sherlock Holmes, uh, three plays of Sagrada, two Gizmos, two Rainbow Knights, one Legacy of Dragonhold, one Rampage, and zero plays of Kings of Air and Steam, which is the game my daughter picked under duress to pick something, and I feel like it was a blunder to ask her to pick it, because now we're stuck with this game I don't think she really wants to play on my hardcore 10 for 10, which you're not allowed to change. So we'll see how that goes. My normal 10 for 10, you can look it up on your own. Because that changes as you make decisions, uh, it's hard to read too much. Like I said, Wingspan is complete, and I've added Anachrony, because I've played the solo game twice this month. And so, that's makes sense to add that. Well, that's it for me. Uh, I'm home, so I'm going to wrap up. What games are on your 10 for 10? How have you been doing on your challenge? Pop over to the Pick Up and Deliver Guild where we have a ongoing thread about our 10 for 10 challenges and uh, let us know how you're doing. Um, also pop by and let me know what's on the top of your stack for March. Thanks for joining us and I hope that your next walk is as pleasant as mine was. Bye-bye. Brought to you by Rattlebox Games.